0: David Eichholz, Sean Bach, HawkeyeInsider.com, part of 24-7 Sports Network, breaking down a very interesting Iowa basketball season. I I've said this before, and Sean, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I, I really feel like I don't know much more about this team now after the season than I did on November 1st. It was just a very weird up-and-down Iowa basketball season that ends in disappointing fashion as they fell 83-75 to 75 to Auburn in the first round of the NCAA tournament. I got back to my apartment at about 3.30 a.m. last night, so I'm still a little bit groggy. But, uh, Sean, where, where, where do you want to start? It was just a very, very weird Iowa basketball season. Yeah, I think the
1: loss to Auburn in the round of 64 really summed up the whole season, honestly. I mean, you fight, you fight. You know, you miss a lot of shots in the first half, and, when they started really missing those shots, and I was kind of like, "Oh man, we might be in, we might be in for a, t- or Iowa might be in for a tough one," because Auburn wasn't hitting their shots either, and obviously they're a very inconsistent offensive team. I think they were like on Haslametrics, one of the one of my favorite analytical sites. I think they were ranked like three hundred fifty third in momentum and or no, it's inconsistency,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: that, that's that's three hundred fifty third nation. And that's, like, obviously, that's a number that can, like, change um, depending on games and whatnot. Like, I think Farley Dickinson's, like, number one in the country right now with momentum with the game that they won the playing game then obviously against Purdue. But Mm -hmm. it kind of – watching Auburn on film, you could tell that they were going to find a way to get hot some way. Like, it wasn't going to be, you know, expected when they were going to get hot. But – just the way they've played all season and the guys they have on that roster, like they're a very erratic group and they're going to they're gonna miss shots and then they're going to hit shots maybe and then maybe they'll go in long stretches of missing shots. And Iowa had a lot of advantage, I had a lot of opportunities to take an edge early in the game. But I mean, going 0 of 9 from 3 and as a team that, you know, their offensive numbers, are third and Ken Palm and just efficiency. But the three-point shooting, I think, has been one of the worst. I think it's like the second worst of the Fran McCaffrey era um, in Iowa City. Actually, I think it's the third worst, but the second worst to make the tournament. Um, That 2014-2015 team was a little bit worse, I think by like 0.5%. But that was a much better defensive group. So to see the shots not fall, obviously that's been been something that's been going on this whole season when Iowa – cannot hit those outside shots, that's when they're going to spell doom. And Auburn being, you know, the athletic team that they are, you got to be able to defend. And Iowa, you know, the at times, especially in the last few years, Iowa has had the offensive capabilities and, you know, those go-to guys where they can make up for some of their defensive liabilities. But this year, just the offense was so inconsistent and, you know, so sporadic and you know, you were either hitting every three or missing every three. Like, there really didn't seem like there was an in-between. Um, it it, yeah. it kind of just spelled their doom. Like, it spelled their doom. And ultimately, that was – that kind of what sums up this season. I feel like that's that's been the telling sign of this season. Like, you know, you have the offensive weapons. You have the athletes to compete on defense. But just defense wasn't there enough for the offense to be as inconsistent as it was now, you know, it, it was shown like in some, in multiple games this season, like the Indiana game, um, you know, the Maryland game, a little, obviously the last couple minutes in the Michigan state game, um, a number of other games, Northwestern at home, Indiana at home, Iowa yeah. state's probably the biggest prime example of that where, you know, and Seton hall too, where the shots fall, but, you know you don't really have the defense but making those shots can you know really you know take that like it doesn't really matter what the defense does at that point this is so, one of the worst you know, that... defensive
0: teams on the frame McCaffrey era like and it's crazy because on paper before the season Sean we said that this could have been one of the better ones and again on paper it probably should have been but between that and the road and home shooting splits it was just a very, very strange team for what we thought they would be on paper. And it's even more interesting when you talk about the, the inconsistent offense. Like, this is still a top-five offense by Ken Palm. But even that's not going to be enough to overcome the other teams – the, the team shortcomings, which, in my opinion, were consistent guard play and defense absolutely let them down down the stretch.
1: Yeah, and I think with offense, too, like, I think with – When the shots weren't falling, Iowa had a guy like Tony Perkins who could get to the rim at times, but that, you know, when the shots weren't falling against Auburn, that's a bad matchup, I think, or at least not a bad matchup, but, you know, more of a fair matchup for Tony Perkins, given the athletes that Auburn has, and he wasn't able to do the things that he could do to maybe, you know, spark the offense in a way or give Iowa a second option, so... You know, when the shots weren't falling against Auburn, then that's kind of where things really went spiral. Um, And obviously, Auburn caught fire in the second half. They were able to hit a couple shots. It felt like I think they hit like four or five three pointers in the first five minutes of the second half before Chris Murray knocked down one, Um, and that really that built that lead to about like thirteen or fourteen points. Um, And the Hawkeyes really, I mean, had chances to come back and. You know, could have hit a couple of shots. But, you know, like I said before, just the inconsistence of this team on both ends of the floor. I mean, defense, I get it. Like, I know we'll talk about it more later. Like, mm-hmm. the past – like, defense, it is what it is at this point. Um, but, you know, my biggest thing, I know coming into the season, one of the concerns was shooting. But I was just kind of – I mean, it didn't help that Chris Murray was kind of hobbled. He hit a couple big shots, though, against Auburn in the second half. Peyton Stanford, you know, Fran's going to give him the green light whenever, but some of the shots that he was taking were kind of, you know, desperation-type shots, and I think that was kind of a, you know, yeah, not not necessarily a positive, but, you know, I I just think with this team, like, I I didn't think they had the shooters to, you know, be as good as they were with the Joe Camp cj Frederick team. Yeah. But I thought it was enough to be, you know, reliable and when you need to hit an open shot, but also have guys that could take, you know, defenders off the dribble and, you know, cause penetration and get into the lane. But they just really didn't have that against Auburn, which I think made it a tough matchup when they weren't hitting those shots.
0: It's, I think a couple of things. One, I mean, I I tweeted this during the game, just being up close watching Iowa's offense. I mean, Iowa's best offense against Auburn was Peyton Sanford just shooting whenever he got the ball, especially down the stretch when they got down 17. and, And for me, I think you take that 10 out of 10 times because Peyton Sanford was actively looking for his shot and he was being aggressive. And I would argue there were a couple of players on Iowa that weren't as aggressive as they probably should have been. And Auburn's balance was so... I think it just overwhelmed Iowa. I mean, they had six players in double figures, Broom 19, and he was all he's cracked up to be. I mean, I thought he played absolutely outstanding. I mean, 19 points, 12 boards, five blocks inside. I mean, he's a very, very good player. Bruce Pearl teams are always tough as nails, but this is something This is going to be something we're going to talk about throughout this offseason, and I've been critical of this before, and I think you have too. Iowa's zone rotations make zero sense to me. You just watch when they play zone compared to other teams. The amount of ground Iowa expects their big men to go from corner to corner to close out is crazy. I think Iowa's closeout ability was awful this year. There were times where they just run up. They wouldn't even put a hand up. So you may as well not even run up to them in the first place because they were going to pull the trigger. Auburn was a 31% three-point shooting team. Throughout most of the year, I think over the past month, month plus, they they upped it to 38 percent. And in that second half, they just got red hot. And again, they were good shots. Some of them I thought made very difficult shots. But again, Iowa's backcourt consistency just is not there. And you look at March, you look at elite guard play like Iowa just does not have that right now. They don't have the consistency. I think if you get good Tony Perkins every single night, I think he's certainly capable of it. I think he can be a menace on both ends of the floor. We've seen it, but the consistency is just not there. Um, and I think that's what's going to make this offseason very, very interesting. And that's something I want to start diving into as well. I think we've touched enough on this game. I think a couple of things before just to wrap up my thoughts about this season. Connor McCaffrey, I I think it was cool that he got a nice ovation from the Iowa crowd when he intentionally fouled out. Got to share that moment with Fran on the sideline. He gave a very good interview. I'm very interested to see what his next stop in his coaching career is going to be because I know he's going to become a coach. I'd be very, very surprised if he stays with Iowa. I do not expect him to stay with Iowa, um, and I don't think people should either. But if he ever came back to Iowa, I think people should be happy. And I think you need to give a big hat tip to Philip Abracha? I mean, what his growth from year over year to do what he did last year and to come out and be a thirteen All Big Ten player this year was outstanding. I think his leadership was stellar. I think he was consistent this season. And it was just really cool to see him, especially Sean, since he took over impossible shoes to fill. I mean, he 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 took over Luca Garza. And his role and Luca Garza, arguably the best player in, in Iowa history, one of the statistically best in big 10 history and do what he did this season. I think you need to give a big hat tip to him. So that'll be cool to see. And I think the final note, which is, I think we need to talk about for anyone who thinks Chris Murray is coming back. To take off the, the black and gold sunglasses. He is not coming back. Uh, Fran says very likely he departs. Chris Murray said he's going to take a few weeks to reflect on it. But if you look at the mock drafts and everything, there's no reason why Chris should come back for another season. I think he's a projected late lottery pick right now. He's a for sure first rounder. It uh, It's going to be very interesting to see where this team goes next year offensively, and I do think that Peyton Sanford needs to be the focal point of it.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um Peyton Sampert I think Patrick we've kind of seen that you know his identity is probably more as like a number two or number three guy maybe even a number three guy I mean you'd love to see Tony Perkins take that next step as a scorer I think he can be that Peyton is the one that I think is going to have to you know be be a little more you know off I mean obviously he's probably as offensive focused as it comes, but one that needs to be a little more well-rounded offensively. I think he was more of that this season. I really like to see how he could attack the basket a little bit and, you know, had a good touch on a couple of drives. But this just goes to show, you know, how tough the big – Ten or how tough that adjustment to the next level is when you're a shooter. I mean, Peyton was – I think, like, a 43% three-point shooter in high school. And, you know, everyone kind of expects him to shoot that same percentage in college. But it's like, you know, the scouting reports and, like, the attention to detail that opposing coaches have and, you know, the access that they have and the athletes that they have, that makes it really difficult when you're a shooter to get really good open looks. So, I mean, (laughs) this year Peyton actually took a step back with his three-point shooting percentage overall. But I think what was really encouraging was he shot 39% from three in conference play. And that's a pretty good mark. And if you can stay around that mark and maybe even get up to 40 or 41 and also improve, you know, how he's able to – how he can take guys off the dribble, then I think that's going to be really important for him in his next step. Um, You know, I think he's got to find ways to, you know – Maybe some of those fadeaway threes, I know he can hit them. I've seen him hit them many times in high school. Yeah, But maybe, you know, pump fake and then, you know, get attack your guy off the dribble. I think he's, you know, got to be able to do more off the dribble. That's where he's going to have to take that next step next year. And I think if that happens, then, you know, he could be an all-conference caliber guy, second, third team maybe, by the time his senior year comes around. Heck, maybe even first team by the time his senior year comes around. But this I'm is probably going to be his – this is probably going to be his biggest offseason in Iowa City to make that jump. I mean, I'm not saying he was Chris level from last year because Chris is a an NBA prospect. Peyton can maybe, you know, make money playing basketball in the NBA someday. Um, but this next year and this offseason is really going to be a big year for him to make that jump because, you know, he's he's going to be relied on to be that second or third guy. Um Heck, maybe even that first guy depending on what Iowa does in the portal but
0: which he, is what he's we'll get going to in a second
1: league. for sure yes yes and you know I, I think with this team too like i'm very fascinated to see how how they kind of navigate the portal cuz obviously you want to go big men but what was one of the big struggles this year too shooting and do mm-hmm. does Iowa find a way to aid that you know you know, I don't think Iowa's ever really going to change their philosophy offensively. I don't think Fran will do that as long as they're you know in Iowa City. But I'm just really interested to see you know if they can add another knockdown guy or if another guy like Josh Dix can take that next step and you know be that be that yeah. uh, you know two guard that C.J. Frederick was. I know they're different players. Josh is more of a I can do everything kind of thing. But I mean, that was probably the most pure on the team this year when he was in.
0: With Peyton, too, I think it's worth noting, like, when he was around 39% conference play, like, it's been well-documented, his shooting in the first three or four three games of the season. I mean, he was ice cold. I mean, I, I really think he could be a 42 43% three-point shooter in Big Ten play. But I'm also curious what the clip's going to look like because he's a guy, you know that. He's not shy. He'll launch seven or eight threes and a half, not blink twice about it. And I think if you're afraid, you need to be able to say, yeah, I'll take that any day of the week. I think Tony needs to be a big focal point. I think this is a huge 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 off season for Tony because I think I think Tony realizes how good he can be, but how does he get to that next level to be consistent? How's he always, he always has that killer drive to him, but there's times where if he doesn't start well, you can kind of tell it's not going to be his game. I mean, yeah, he's bailed back a couple of times, but It's not as consistent as you might like. And another person I really want to talk about before we get in the portal, what's Patrick McCaffrey going to be going forward? Because I think he had one of the most interesting seasons of anybody in the country, the absence due to his anxiety. I talked to him after the loss. He said, you know, I probably came back too soon. He said, not that I wasn't mentally ready, but he said my legs weren't underneath me. I was not physically ready to come back. So I thought that was interesting. And Fran kind of said on the record too, multiple times that Patrick was still getting his legs back under him. And I, I still fully believe Patrick can be a double consistent double figure scorer, And I think Patrick with a renewed commitment to the defensive end, he has the tools to be a serviceable defender and a decent rebounder. So I think that's where he needs to grow the most this season. And if he can do that, what's his role going to look like? What options he going to be on next year's team? Because I know people are very frustrated with him, a bit just based on the inconsistency. But if you look at him objectively, he has the tools to be a really good Big Ten player. I still believe he can be that. So that's something I'm looking forward to as well. Sean, I don't know if you want to chime in on anything regarding Patrick before we move on to the portal and what's next for the Iowa offseason.
1: crunching some of the numbers yesterday when I was putting together my uh off-season primer thing and one of the things that really stood out to me was you know Patrick before he took his leave of absence scored in double figures 10 of 14 games but afterwards the only time he scored in double figures was the Indiana or the uh Nebraska game where he hit those six three-pointers and was staring at Robbie Hummel um so, yeah, I mean, I, I know he's capable of it, but, you know, what does that look like? Like defensively, yeah. I think he needs to improve a little bit, and that's obviously something that he would probably suggest. you. Know, I mean, he's a great teammate, you know, great personality, you know, could be kind of a glue guy with, you know, his, his personality, um, which is really important for a team. And But also, you know, yeah, what is what does that look like with him as a scorer like can you have him on the floor you know in his scoring role but also you know depend on him defensively now i know everyone's yeah. going to have you know a uh, you know a deficiency when they're on the court not everyone's good at everything but you know is his offensive upside and his offensive scoring ability enough to keep him on the floor consistently you know, sure. with the with kind of what the struggles he has on defense. And I'm sure he would admit that too.
0: I think Patrick's very self-aware of his game. And I don't think people realize, like, he's very intelligent about basketball. He understands the flaws of his game. And he's very transparent with the media about what he needs to do. And, again, that's just based off me talking to him about his last offseason. So I think people would be surprised to do that. Now, what's next for Iowa basketball? As you and I both kind of mentioned, this is, I think, one of the most critical off seasons in Frank McCaffrey's era. Because Sean, maybe, maybe I'm deluded, maybe I've, maybe it's recency bias, but the temperature around Iowa basketball is as hot as I've ever seen it. At least since I started covering this team, like the frustration has boiled over from fans. I think they're so desperate to get back to a Sweet 16 that literally nothing else matters, and I understand it. And I think people are just so desperate to get back there. And I think it also involves, you know, people putting out crazy takes. Like Chris Murray should come back for another season. He's not ready to go to the NBA. The guy's a projected lottery pick. Like if I'm, if I'm Kenny and I'm telling Chris, pack up your stuff. We're going to go get the money because he will be getting paid. And Keegan's success is only going to help Chris. Yes, they're individual players, but there's a, it doesn't hurt Chris's stock with how Keegan's performing in the NBA and Chris was Chris, a, really, really a lottery. Is Chris a lottery. Is he like top 25, top 20? Based on who I have talked to and stuff I've read, he's projected anywhere from 12 to 15 right now. I don't yeah. know if they'll stick. And I think things are going to obviously fluctuate when workouts come into play and everything. But Chris is going to be a guy that I think works out very, very well. I think he's gonna to go top 20 at least. I don't know if he's gonna be a lottery, but I think it's very safe to say he'll go top 20. I think there's just too many intangibles yeah. there. He's a three and d kind of guy. Um, but again that that also well, what does that mean for Fran in the portal? because I think Fran Foley is fully aware Sean that he needs to go all in on the portal this off season. There was a lot of frustration last off season. people said Fran wasn't trying. Fran was trying. I think. The NIL aspect really, really messed up Iowa. I think they're going to correct that this offseason. I think that's going to be a big focal point. I mean, for example, if you look at what Iowa's trying to do, I think they put this out a couple months ago, but I'll re-up it. The Swarm's putting together a basketball event in Dallas. It's like $2,500 a person. You get like pregame happy hour. You get a sweet ticket to the Mavericks game when they play the Kings, you get going to meet with the Dallas Mavericks CEO. You get to talk with frame McCaffrey and then you get to meet and greet with Keegan Murray after. So I think we're going to see more of those type of events happening this off season and in the coming months to help generate that additional, I want to say revenue, but the additional money for NIL and, and, continue to spread the word about the swarm. If people are interested in that, be sure to check out the swarms website. I'm sure people are going to start retweeting that as, as the event gets closer, but I think Iowa's going to attack the portal. I think there's no choice but to attack the portal, but what are they going to focus on? I think they're going to get at least one big that's going to come in and start because with all due respect to Joshua Ogundele and Riley Mulvey, Sean, we just haven't seen a development. We haven't even seen them on the court at this point. I'm not saying it's impossible for them to make those strides, but the chances aren't looking good, and I don't think at this point you can bank on it. So I think Iowa's going to attack the portal hard for a big man. But then the next question comes into play: Do you go after a wing, or do you go after a playmaking guard? And I think Iowa needs to take a very, very close look at getting that game-breaking caliber point guard that can help run the show. Because when you get to this point in the year, guard play runs everything. That's what's going to win games. And I think Fran knows that. But will Iowa have the NIL funding to be able to go do it? I think that's going to be the biggest question mark. Because if you look at Fran McCaffrey's offense. You're going to get your numbers if you go to Iowa at the end of the day. You really are.
1: Yeah, I think the the knock that some people have is it's just that it's Iowa. Like, Iowa, I know people give me grief for this, but it's a tough place to recruit. Like, yeah, you know, there's not – it's not a basketball tradition that I think a lot of people are familiar with. Um, obviously, the NBA aspect has become a little bit more appealing. Like, Iowa is not an easy place for, you know – northeast people to adjust to and you know that's why probably a lot of the roster is made up of midwest guys um you know there's a couple obviously guys that are in other from other parts of the country but that's why you see a bulk of you know the in-state guys staying home if they're if they can play at that level so yeah it's uh i i wrote something before the ncaa tournament um obviously Iowa's was already been tied to Belmont transfer and Iowa city native Evan bronze. Um, I think the Hawkeyes are in a good spot there. You know, I think obviously scholarships, like there's always attrition, but then again, like remember, especially with NIL now, you know, never really count scholarships on paper, like yeah. one way or another, like things are going to work. Yeah. You know, obviously we have the scholarship chart and, You know, people look at that and freak out about, you know, the roster and, you know, how, you know, they can fit all these guys on the team, but they'll, they'll figure it out one way or another. Um, so back to what I wrote, I said, obviously a big, um, you know, maybe another big as a backup guy. I think bronze could be that if he ends up being, you know, a Hawkeye, I think, uh, you know, potentially a wing, but I like what Iowa has with Peyton and, uh, Patrick yep, and then, you know, another true point guard. I mean, Brock Harding, maybe not a true point guard, but a combo guard. You know, we'll see what happens with, you know, the attrition on the roster. I think that's kind of why the staff has been waiting to, you know, see what kind of guys they want to target because, you know, they don't know what the roster is going to look like in a couple weeks. So obviously a big, the big man is one that has to be addressed, whether or not Riley and Josh are on the team. Um and then I mean I guess we'll see what happens you know I think a wing maybe maybe is probably going to be the second most valuable right now but then you know say one of the guards leaves I'm not saying that they do leave they will leave but just say one of them does you know I think that's something you got to address too for sure
0: yeah and again it, we, we've talked about this and this is kind of my stance on it I hate speculating on players transferring I don't think it's fair to the player. I don't think it's fair to the program and the coaches, to be honest with you either. But given the way college athletics is going right now, I would say do not be surprised by anything that happens. And that's not me speculating or suggesting players are going to leave, but roster attrition in college basketball, especially, is very, very normal. The player only meeting, the player and coach postseason meeting, I believe, are going to take place in a week or two. I don't have a specific date on that, but again, with with the portal being open with Iowa season ending, Fran's going to want to get this figured out very quickly. So I would anticipate that over the next week, we'll see the meetings come to fruition. Fran's going to know what, what the roster looks like, and then they're going to plan accordingly. And again, I think there's no doubt that they're going to have to hit the portal hard. I love Iowa's recruiting class. The more, the more I watch the players, the more I really dissect what the rosters look like and how their games get translate, I really do like what Fran did with this year's recruiting class. I know you're in the same boat, Sean, but Owen Freeman's got to put on strength, but I thought he had a phenomenal senior season. Brock Harding, I'm very intrigued about what he can bring to the table. Logie, I think, is a – I don't want to say a hidden gem because he did have some high-end offers. I'm a big fan of his game if it can translate to the next level and if he can continue to polish up his game. I really, really like – uh, well, he brings the table and obviously Price Sanford, Peyton's brother. He's a hooper. Very, very intrigued if he can crack that lineup next year and how many of the freshmen are going to play. And then also another thing that we haven't talked about that I think is worth mentioning, what's DeSante Bowen going to do next year? And now I'm not saying in terms of if he stays or leaves, but what's his role going to be on Iowa next year? He hadn't played much over the last six weeks. He got, I believe, seven minutes against – against Auburn had had a rebound also made a really really nice transition layup but I still love DeSante Bowen's skill set can he be consistent can he continue to piece it together and develop his jumper at the college level I don't know that yet but I've always loved what he could bring to the table and if he can piece it together what role is he going to play uh, next season so I think there are some good things in place I still think even with the young recruiting class, I don't think it's safe or responsible right now to put high expectations on them for what they could do for Iowa next year or make them a focal point. And that's why I think it's going to be important for Iowa to hit the portal to get that big man. And I know we could go back and forth about if they need a wing or if they need a guard. I'm a big believer they need a point guard, maybe a combo guard even. Uh, But just that game breaker that can step out, hit three, defend, and just be gritty and consist on both ends of the floor.
1: Yeah, back to the freshman class, as I've said before, I think I would lean that Owen Freeman and Price are probably the ones that are like most likely going to crack the rotation next year if, you know, I were to pick two freshmen. I think Owen, you know, it depends on what Iowa does from a big man perspective. Maybe this could be a year where, you know, they've kind of wanted him to be ready to potentially play. Obviously, we'll see what the portal looks like. But, you know, the staff has said, hey, be ready to play. And with Price – You know, I think his shooting is going to be what he brings. I think he can do more off the dribble than Peyton could, and I think that's valuable. I mean, I know he's one of the things that, you know, is is an issue with Price like it is with Peyton or was with Peyton in high school and still can be in college is, you know, foot speed and athleticism. I think, you know, Peyton's really improved in that area, and I think Price can too. Um, But, yeah, he's just a smart basketball player, and the staff wants him to come in. I think he said he – the goal for him, I, I don't know how realistic it is, was to hit sixty threes as a true freshman. I mean, for context, Peyton hit thirty four as a freshman, yeah. and He hit fifty nine this year, so I don't know if he's going to play as many minutes as Peyton did this year. But I'm interested to see what his role can be, and you know how the rotation kind of stacks up. Because I mean, obviously, we really shouldn't put expectations on the freshman until the roster is set. Um, mm-hmm. But I think you know that's there that's you. something that. Price is going to provide right away is that is that shooting ability and the ability to space the floor.
0: Yeah, again, I, I I'm optimistic about what Fran's going to do in the off season. And again, I think the temperature is just high because people are desperate to get back to where they believe they should be. And you know, it almost is fatigue, Sean. They haven't made a Sweet Sixteen since 1999. I know people get tired of me saying this, but. A lot of it is the draw and what happens in the second round. Iowa has not benefited from a first round upset since they last made the sweet 16. They've always played the, the higher seat, the lower seat team, however you want to, the higher seat team. Anyway. Yeah. The better team, the better team, the better team. Yeah. That's probably the safest way to phrase that the better team. So I do think that plays a factor. Is that an excuse for Iowa being a first weekend team every year? No, but I would also caution people this, and I'm not saying they shouldn't want more because I do think that when you know what to expect, it's almost demoralizing that they can't break the next level. But Iowa's one of 10 programs to make four straight NCAA tournaments. They would have made five had the 2021 season been in, into play. That's a very, very impressive mark for Iowa basketball. Iowa hasn't had that since Ravelling and Davis crossover. Um, Iowa did not win 20 games for the first time in five years. They ended the season on three game losing streak. I think a lot of people are, are a little bit upset about, you know, just immortalized more than anything. But I think you look at the way the roster shapes up next year. I think you look at if Iowa can attack the portal and get good NIL funding. I think the development speaks for itself. And people don't like to hear it, but you're exactly right, Sean. It's hard to recruit to Iowa. It's hard to recruit at Iowa. And I think that they need to continue to invest more in the program. And with the way the college landscape's going, NIL is going to be a forefront of the conversation. And if Iowa fully embraces that, which Fran McCaffrey has openly said, he wants his guys to get money. He's been a long proponent of that. So for people to say that Fran doesn't embrace it, I don't understand it. The only thing that Fran has said is he doesn't want to pay a transfer more than he would be paying a Chris Murray or a star that's already proven it at Iowa. And I think that's a completely fair take. I know other programs operate differently. I'm not saying one way is right and one way is not. But I understand Fran's thinking behind that. So I think that's worth noting. But I think the staff will be able to get it done. I think they have a better idea of what the conversation surrounding NIL will be this season. I think it's going to be a more forefront on the recruiting trail, especially in the portal. But uh, I'm interested, to say the least. And I I don't know if you've heard anything about this, Sean. I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. Jamison Battle, transferring from Minnesota. I know he uh, he's looking to go pro. But there's some Iowa ties with him. Patrick McCaffrey played with Jameson Battle uh, on the AAU circuit for a season on what was an unbelievable team, if you actually go look up that roster. But uh, if you're talking about getting a scoring wing, put Jameson Battle in Iowa system, I think he'd flourish.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think that would be a bad option. I haven't heard anything exact there. Um, but I'm sure – I mean, Fran called him J-Mo, I think in a – press conference a couple years ago so obviously there's a a relationship there and that could play a role but you know my my thing is like if this is kind of taking away I don't know how are, are we still going like pretty serious or are we wrapping this thing up
0: because Tobin we Anderson
1: just came on my Tobin Anderson just came on my TV and I'm wondering how many fans <laughs> this offseason are going to be like hey Bring them home. Bring the churro. Uh, the, tr- the churro. I don't. I don't. I'm not an Iowa kid, so I don't know how to say it. But bring the yeah. I-35 alum home,
0: <laughs> dude. It's it's crazy. It so it's yeah, crazy it's, how it's...
1: much how much one like win in the NCAA tournament can just totally put you on the radar of other you know college coach or college programs. Like I think some people on Twitter have already mentioned, like. Anderson potentially taking like the Providence job at Cooley were to go to Georgetown or something.
0: Yeah, and then I think uh, didn't Rick Pitino just get hired at St. John's? Didn't they just finalize that deal? Yeah,
1: I think I think John fans a report. I think there was a report that he took the St. John's deal. Which I I texted a few of my buddies. I was like, "How quick does Rick Pitino take another job after yeah. this UConn-Iona game? How quick is he?" you know taking that job so yeah it's uh I, I love college basketball man like the off seasons I mean <laughs> I know the portal is crazy but I mean this time of year and I I just think it has a different you know flavor to it than you know college yeah. ball obviously is is king but college basketball man
0: like I'm excited for the off season it'll be a it'll be a good time yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting. And by the way, Patino was probably after the handshake with the head coach, he probably got on his phone and sent his text to his agent and said, I accept. That was probably yeah, <laughs> that's probably what he did. <laughs> or,
1: or he accepted it, or he accepted it before the game even started.
0: Yeah, he just said, Hey, just whenever we lose, I'm out. Yeah. yeah. But Honestly,
1: uh, I could see that happening
0: but no, th- this will be a fun off season to cover. I know again, the temperature is high and people are frustrated, but given all the storylines and the, the potential roster attrition and what Iowa needs to do next year, I think this is going to be a very fun off season. and We're going to have a lot to talk about. So stay locked in the Hawkeye part of 247 sports network. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at David Eichel at SBOC two, four, seven and at Hawkeyes on two, four, seven, get 30% off an annual subscription to Hawkeye insider today. And, uh, it's going to be a fun next couple months. we got spring football on the horizon, so our coverage is there, – there is no off-season at this point for us, but uh, we love it. And a lot of spring football storylines pay attention to as well. So until next time, we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? F. Ready PG.